0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Michelle Durante show brought to you by Automax LI. Head to Automax LI, one-stop car shopping, leasing, or buying a new used car. Automax Long Island takes care of the boring stuff like paperwork. Best part, your car is delivered straight to your door. Check them out at Automax Long Island. Hey boys and girls, hope you're having a great weekend. My guest today is author Michael O'Keefe. Michael is a retired NYPD detective. He was the real kind that solved crimes, and now Michael is the author of three books, Shot to Pieces, A Reckoning in Brooklyn, and Michael is here to talk about his latest novel, Burnt to a Crisp, Patty Durr Novel novel number 3. Welcome, Michael O'Keefe. What's up Michael? How are you?
1: Good. How are you Michelle?
0: I'm fantastic. I'm just fantastic. Yes, I did get a haircut. I got a <laughs> got a shave down there. I got a shave down. Dude. Nice. Yeah, I don't care anymore cuz I'm, you know, 56 years old. You know what I'm saying? You're just a child. Comedy's coming back and I'm happy about that, you know. The independent comedy scene. Michael, listen, it's actually such an honor. I have your book right here. Look at that shot to pieces. You can't see it because of my screenshot, but I have it. I have it. Um, Wait, the first thing that's a really important question. I was actually a journalism major. Okay. And so what I used to like to do is use big words, right? So like when you did your reports, were they like really written properly? And did you like use really big words? And then it would like screw them all up and stuff. I used I, to
1: actually, actually, I went one step further than that. Uh, one of my first big cases when I was, uh, when I was in Queens, was a crazy house robbery uh, with a machine gun shots fired through the ceiling, eight different perps. It was a gang related thing. Yeah. So I end up, I end up getting, um, uh, all of the perps. I recovered a gun. It's a terrific case. But one of the old timers tells me, listen, don't document anything. All you'll do is trip yourself up. Right. So I took that bad advice and I didn't document anything. They were all like three sentence fives uh, with no pertinent information. So when the case goes to trial a year later, I don't have any independent recollection. And I don't have any documentation to fall back on. So I got absolutely barbecued on cross-examination. Oh yeah. But I was smart enough to throw, not in, instead of trying to defend myself, I threw myself on the sword. I admitted I took bad advice. I don't have any documentation. My memory isn't as good as I thought it would be. Right, right, right. <clears throat> Fortunately for me, the defense attorney was such a scumbag that yeah. the jury started to feel bad for me.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But from that day forward, what I started doing is I write all of my fives in a narrative, as if I'm telling a story. Because I am, I'm telling myself a story. Right. So when now I start, I do that going forward. And I end up in, in the eight 3 squad. And my first uh, sergeant, Gary Leone, comes out infuriated and says, why do I need a thesaurus and a yeah. <laughs> your fives? I'm like, I'm sorry, bro. I was an English major. I got a vast vocabulary and I use it. I say, love I that. I with it. He goes, and well, why are these things your pages are all like two fives? <laughs> so I told him the story. I said, I'm never gonna get caught like that on the stand. That's right. He's like, All right, if it works, continue. <laughs>
0: That's right. It could be worse. You could have like the three words.
1: Well, it, it it actually it served me well because by the end of my end of my career, I would walk in for a homicide case with that giant milk crate underneath my uh my yeah. elbow. Go on, get sworn in put the case folder down there and testify for three and a half hours with it, without ever having to refer to a note. Yeah. Because I told myself a story and I remember stories. Right. That's smart.
0: That's what they yeah. should teach them now.
1: I don't know. Not, not everybody can write Michelle. the
0: show. Yeah, that's true too. You know what? They're teaching them. I just heard it on the news. They're teaching cops what to look for this holiday weekend. Like, you know, like for impaired driver. It's like, dude, are you kidding me? During Han- Hanukkah, what do they look for? The yarmulke flipped upside down?
1: I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what? <laughs> really? With all that's going on in New York, we're worried about impaired drivers. That's
0: what he's. Yeah, they said they're gonna have. They ha- get, got special training. Like, dude, come on, really? You know,
1: just let them crash. Yeah, and like, well, we'll clean it up
0: afterwards. Yeah, that's because we right. gotta work out the fireworks. The illegals. People are gonna blow their hands off today. This year.
1: Yeah, was be busy night for ems yeah
0: yeah that's really cool michael it's such a privilege to talk to you honestly um i uh first off you're uh, i read um shot to pieces but we're here today to talk about your new book Burn to a crisp the patty durr novel number
1: three yeah yeah it's a series now um Burn to a crisp came out in 26 20- i'm sorry uh shot to pieces came out in 2016. Mm-hmm. In 2018, I released the follow-up, which was actually a prequel. Patty Durr is a 17-year-old called The Reckoning in Brooklyn. Right. And now we're back to contemporary time uh, with Burnt to a Crisp. It's uh, Patty uh, has a lot of personal issues going on when he catches a triple homicide that was an arson. Yeah. And that that was based on uh, on uh, my own homicide case at 83
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: Which basically, all my novels are about my murder cases.
0: That's really cool. That's uh, and that's what's really good about it too, because you have an inside. Sometimes you read some of this stuff, and it's, uh, it, you know, some of the authors when they write it, it's it's like too sanitized, you know. So it's like a little difficult to read. But like for me to read this, it's like, oh, I can breeze through this like this. Yeah, I'm, I'm only gonna, and you know what, I'm gonna
1: hit the high points. Right. Right. Like when when I describe a uh, an autopsy, I'll go into great detail. Yeah. But only saw, the stuff you need to know.
0: Right, right. I saw that. Yeah, I was. Uh, I saw when he took the chick to the autopsy on the first date. I like I the cop humor in there, too. Like, oh, you went to St. John's. What do they let like, special people in there? You know, when I do jokes like that to other comedians, they think that that's hysterical. And I'm like, you guys are so bad. That's not even <laughs> fun. You know what I mean? Like, here she is. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's. And I like when I see cops. Like they do other things other than being cops.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I love that, and that's another thing. What what inspires you to write all this stuff? What made you decide to, to become a writer?
1: Well, I kind of knew that I wanted to be a writer anyway. I actually only became a cop because uh, I didn't really want to do anything with an English degree. I mean, my choices yeah. were coach teaching, coach football. I was going to coach football anyway. Right. I didn't want to be a teacher. Yeah. The last thing I want to do is teach literature to people who are disinterested in it.
0: I know. I love literature, And then
1: then I also had fiscal consideration. My father was sick. Uh, yeah. And I and I had to have real employment as opposed to bartending.
0: Right. Right. Well, no, so I, I hear, took,
1: the, took the job thinking that. All right. I'll do this for a while. Square my mother away financially, make some money and go to graduate school. Okay. And then I got into my first gunfight in 1987. Right. and said, Wow. I'm going to do this
0: yeah this is what I'm going to do yeah yeah yeah
1: so with the writing background you know I wrote in high school and college I had you know poetry short stories uh plays published I always figured I'd get back to that but then my police career got in the way and all my writing was consigned to police paperwork when I retired uh I probably spent like a year threatening to write a book and my wife finally got tired of hearing it bought me a laptop and said just write the damn thing yeah and shot the pieces was born uh, a year later
0: wow and like so your characters are based on obviously because you just said a lot of the homicides that you worked on or whatever yeah. or cases and so a lot of the characters are also um i'm assuming without mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. with obviously with the names so more on the other like, what is your um, so what's your writing process? Like, like I'm very interested in how people write books. I just can only write jokes. Um, and it's so interesting to me, like when I spoke to you earlier, like I was writing. Yeah. You know, and it's like I do different kind of writing. I have to like I just when I was waiting for you, I said to my friend, oh, I thought of a punchline and I text I thought of a joke and I texted him and then he texted me back with punchlines. That's the extent of my writing.
1: But no, that's writing. That's the same creative process. Uh, but you sit down you and of, actually write. I will give you a prime example, and sometimes it's it's spontaneous inspiration. Uh, my editor uh, narrates uh, runs a lot of a lot of poetry gatherings, and she just started since they lowered the COVID uh, stipulations. Uh, she started poets in the park at Eisenhower Park. Okay. And uh, I wanted to, because now I, I finally got the, uh, the hard covers of the book. I wanted to give her her book, you know, the dedicated book. And so I, I was going to surprise visit to her poets in the park. And on my way there on the Southern State Parkway, I got this bright idea that I haven't written a poem in a while. I'm going to write a poem in Patty Durr's, which is my detective yeah, yeah, character. Yeah. Patty Durr's state of mind in that period of time before he met his wife when he was basically uh, on a rampage womanizer basically
0: mm.
1: uh but not feeling real good about it he's mm-hmm. got a lot of issues and in 15 minutes I came up with the poem I read it to that group and that's it that's writing that's the writing process wow that's just amazing. when I got home I actually con- committed it to the laptop
0: right I understand yeah yeah, yeah.
1: that's just it's I mean,
0: just it's just I you know because a book is a book though that's a lot of dedication. That's a de- you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. And- but, but here's the thing. Here's what a book really is. A book is a series of short stories Yeah. with a connective thread through them. Yeah. And as long as the first story pushes the second story into the third story, into the fourth story and so on, and it creates an arc and there's character development within it. Yeah. That's a novel.
0: I used to like I used when I went to I went to the School of Visual Arts in Manhattan. I went for So journalism. did I. When were you there? I was there from 83, 84 to 87.
1: We missed each other by a year. I was there for two years from 80, 82 to 80, 82 and 83.
0: I was there. Oh, so you were there when Keith Haring was there. He was there during that time. He graduated when I when I got there. He just graduated. The crack is whack, guy.
1: Yeah, I know. I didn't know he was there. Oh yeah. I was into my own thing.
0: I know. I hear you. How many times I had to educate those stupid asses? You don't know who Keith, and then I would show. Well, him I know who Keith not is. Not you. Not right you. Not no. No. But... but I would. I would show him the tattoo on my leg. Crack is whack. For Christ's sake, he was the artist. <laughs> the dead body. He's my favorite artist. He's my absolute favorite artist. Is he really? Yes, it's funny because my niece is a school teacher over here in, in Copaig Middle School. And she's right. Aunt Michelle, I need we're going to cover Keith Haring. And I bought my niece and nephew little Keith Haring shirts. Right. And I have a book, a, an art book, you know, like is and she goes, can I take it? I go, you could bring it to school, but they weren't even allowed to keep it yeah. there because of COVID. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that place.
1: I, I was, you know, I wasn't such a big, I didn't mind Keith Haring. I thought they were exciting images, but I prefer, believe it or not, the uh, the Impressionist period. Yeah. The impressionist paintings. Mm-hmm. I just think they're amazing. And I think probably the reason why I was so tuned into the Impressionists is one of my favorite books was Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad. That's a great book. That's what well, Apocalypse Now is based on. Correct. Now, here's the thing. Yeah. He was a big art lover. Yeah. And uh, he, that that the impressionist so yeah. impressed him. He said, you know what, I'm going to write a novel in an impressionistic style. So if you get the chance to read Heart of Darkness again, what you're going to discover is that rather than tell his story and paint a painting, uh, he paints the painting as the impressionist did with little dabs of sensory perception. Oh so yeah. Yeah. Describes every scene in separate sensory perceptions until you have to kind of walk away from the, from the story to see the whole of it. Right. A lot of the impressionists now as impressed as I was with how successful he was in doing that. What most impressed me about Joseph Conrad is yeah. English was his third language. Was it really born in Poland? Oh, wow. Fled to Germany. And then came to the United States and he had to learn English. It was his wow. third language. And he is to this day, in my opinion, one of the greatest writers in the English language. Ever. I
0: was just gonna ask you, what like what who is who are some of the authors that you like? It doesn't matter if they're contemporary or
1: what my contemporary authors, I I love Nelson DeMille. Yes, yeah. Um his uh his detective character John Corey resonates with me. He yeah. reminds me of so many detectives that I worked with. Yeah,
0: I, I love his books.
1: Oh, he's terrific. Nelson yeah. is terrific. Uh I I enjoyed Lee Child, but it's getting to the point now he's kind of writing the same book over and over again. Um wow. uh, there's a handful of others. Uh I was a big John uh big uh Clancy. Um uh, Tom Clancy. Tom Clancy. I was a big Tom Clancy fan for a while. Yeah. Um uh, John Irving, uh mm. Garp. Mm-hmm. uh john updike i liked
0: oh uh, yeah yeah
1: joseph heller wrote catch 22 still my favorite book of all time yeah but with respect to coming through high school and college uh my favorite and i consider them classical authors even though they're technically not is uh my holy trinity is hemingway
0: oh yeah um, he's my favorite yeah
1: yeah um
0: oh absolutely
1: f scott fitzgerald
0: yeah
1: if he didn't have writer's block yeah you know he just wasn't as prolific as he could have been but the great gatsby is one of the great books oh yeah and then uh, of mice and men who wrote john steinbeck 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 is also one of my favorite authors yeah Uh, him and Hemingway. yeah basically what i loved about them is their sentences are so brief and terse yeah, and yeah. yet without using all of these adjectives, the description is so vivid.
0: Yes. You know. Yeah.
1: And uh, whereas uh, Fitzgerald, he just he was a painter with words. It was, was
0: like flowery, words. very flowery. Not
1: really flowery as much as just decorative. Yeah. And I don't want to say flowery because he didn't use flowery words. He yeah, just I see. Built, yeah. His sentences built scenes that just were like, wow. Right. And
0: right. It's just right. so
1: immersive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny cuz like I, I and a lot of times I go back and I read like I took uh what did I what did I, I got like Dostoevsky cuz I wanted to read that.
1: Oh yeah, I, I had a period of the Russian And Malibus. you know I what else? Too?
0: And I wanted to read War and Peace on my own because I wanted to see what it was like and nobody told yeah. me to read it. I wanted to
1: read it. Yeah. yeah. It was I, like I what it pretty good. <laughs> I have I, I have a hardcover of War and Peace, but I really have never read it. I've read a couple of sentences, a couple of paragraphs.
0: It's actually a pretty good story. Oh,
1: well, it is good. I mean, the Russian writers are phenomenal. They uh, are. But uh, I, I was a big Dostoevsky fan. Yeah, Dostoevsky. <laughs> and I love the life of Ivan Denisovich.
0: I love when they I love when I would bring them like you bring them, and everybody thinks you're a communist. So I was like, dude, I'm just trying to open my mind. You know what yeah, I mean? No, no, he's a writer. Dissidents. That's what I'm saying. They were
1: anti-communist.
0: That's what I love about, uh, you know, it's just, and a lot of the stuff resonates now. That's the best part about it. It's the most amazing part about it. Um, Mm. That's amazing. So, and you wrote a lot of short stories, too. I know that. You wrote. Yeah, uh, I uh,
1: put a book of short stories out uh, a couple of years ago called 13 Stories, Uh, Fractured, Twisted, and Put Away Wet. Yeah. uh, And that's a good description. The title is fairly descriptive. There are a lot of twists, uh, yeah. some dystopian fiction in there. It's yeah. uh, basically all stories that I had submitted for uh, contests and publications. And do I you figured, get um, right, That's a book. Do you
0: ever get, do you subscribe to the Writer's Digest?
1: I did, but I stopped for the simple reason that it's nearly impossible to get anything published through them. Um, they just, and they're expensive, like to yeah. submit to them.
0: I just read so, them to read them because I've been reading it since college. Uh, That's what we, but right. like, I, I was just, yeah, I see that they submit. Um, they, you have all the submissions. That's pretty, yeah.
1: Mm. Uh, but stuff. now I found some other online uh, short fiction journals that yes. are uh, more receptive, um, less picky.
0: Yeah. The
1: only problem is now because everything is online. Yes. Everybody wants shorter stuff because they think that the electronic reader doesn't want to stick around for a 5,000 word story anymore. So you got to pretty much be able to tell your story in 1,500 words now. Yeah. So it's almost micro fiction.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, it, I can understand that because honestly, I have a Kindle. I like it. It's great. Like when I travel and or yeah. I go to, it's great. But you know, honestly, when I'm home, I like to read like the hard version of books.
1: Sure.
0: You know, I like holding the physical book in my hand. It's actually, I'm looking over here. I have Robert Frost. Okay. Ernest Hemingway. And um, yeah, anyway, Dostoevsky's over there. I have Gay Talese too. He's he's a, He he did this documentary. He wrote that book. What's his, name? his book? Thy neighbor's wife. Yes. You know the story. He's he was like he's a little kooky, but it's an interesting story. He there's a, there was a documentary on Netflix, and that's what made me want to read his oh, book. Oh, okay. All about right. the he wrote a book about a voyeur, a yeah. voyeur in in Vegas. The voyeur and his wife were in on the the wife let him do it. Right. He wrote a book about it.
1: Right. And I think that
0: book
1: It's interesting. It's a little worked out. Yeah.
0: And basically he wrote thy neighbor's wife and he got a lot of like backlash like oh that's very like you know because it was about uh, like free sex and all that when everybody yeah. was sleeping with everybody and he did this and i tell you like people like i don't know if that's cool or not because the <laughs> guy but <laughs> they didn't know that it was just uh, you know it's uh you know all kinds of stuff well I, all kinds of stuff
1: <clears throat> he, well you know i before talise wrote that that you had Nabokov with uh basically a book about pedophilia. Yeah. Yeah. That is considered a literary, literary goal. I mean, you know,
0: yeah, I know. Sometimes you look at that stuff and you're like, seriously, I don't know that, yeah, we you, can think, do that. you think
1: he, you think you think Nabokov could have gotten that published today. No, no. no. A lot today. of stuff couldn't get published today. Yeah. Well, a
0: lo- you know, a yeah. lot of things couldn't have happened, unfortunately, yeah. you know, fortunately and unfortunately, there's always like, you know, like well, I,
1: when we, I do we've entered, we've entered a, um, I call it a Victorian era of of the mind, and everybody is all hot to suppress information that they don't like that makes yeah. them uncomfortable. But this is going to swing back, right? And what will happen when this? And it's going to be it's going to be a quick swing because nothing lasts very long anymore. But the backlash mm-hmm. is going to be frightening, basically, because nothing will be censored. Which is the way it should be. Ideas mm-hmm. should be should be right, free. Right, right. Parents should educate their children. Morality should be taught. Right, and everybody should be able to make their own decisions. Yeah, you know, yeah. to hide information from people is just that. Now you've made it. Now you've made it sexy. Now I gotta read it you right. don't want me to. Now I got to. Right, 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 right. Let's just have free expression and let people make up their own mind for God's sake.
0: That's what, you know, what's funny is like when I, I, let before COVID like I would do stand up and so I would we'd be, we'd have these open mics and sometimes the audience would sit there and I'd be hosting and I go, listen this is our last free venue so you're going to hear things that you might not think is funny. Yeah. So you, you can step out of the room, but you know, this is the, they're not going to be able to do this at a comedy club. You know, and I'm not gonna. I'm certainly not going to censor him. If you want to make a joke about pedophiles, that's on you. If nobody laughs, that's on you, too. If, you know, I have to make bring the room back. That's my job and I'll do it, Mm -hmm. you know, but I'm not going to, you know, I know what's going to happen with your comedy career. It's not going to really go anywhere until you change and play the game a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, so I can understand. And so that's why I like comedy, because now what happened is during covid, you know, a lot of these clubs, some of them actually helped comedians out, but a lot of them didn't. And so all these comedians found their own rooms. And now we just do our own shows. And that's what's and that's how it should be. You know, I don't have to worry about, you know, and you know what? You know, what kind of comedy you're going to see when you go see this guy's show? You know, it's going to be all this or
1: all that. It's great.
0: And they get audiences, and everybody's happy.
1: Yeah, everybody has their own following. Isn't it's it fun?
0: Okay. Right? Yeah. Like it's okay. We can all yeah. do this. We don't have to. I just might not want to go. Like certain, like I don't like the guys. Like you can, you know, like you can pick them out from being a cop. Like I can pick people out, even comics. Like I already know. Like one guy's like the I got to make a stop guy. You know, like you can never just go straight to the, where you had to go.
1: Right. You always
0: had it. You know what I'm saying? You see it in regular people. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah. Just like uh, make everything, every, let's we can all be happy. Let's just be yeah. happy right now. I just want to be happy. Yeah, you know, I'm getting a new couch on Tuesday. I I, I want to be happy. That makes you happy, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying?
1: Who doesn't Isn't, like new furniture?
0: Right? Isn't, we can all be happy. Like I'll help you. Yeah. You know, whatever you want. You want to go take a walk? I'll take a walk. You. whatever blows your hair back. Mm. You know, you know my well, speaking friend. Speaking
1: hair, I can I can see you still rocking the same S uh uh SBA haircut.
0: That's right. When I was
1: at SVA, I had a great big long as a horse's mane Mohawk love like Joe Strummer.
0: I love you so much. Yeah, right nine man? earrings. Yeah. My <laughs> parents like dropped me off. I went to Holy Trinity High School and then they dropped me All off. All right. I'm
1: a St. Francis prep boy.
0: Isn't that? See, I knew you were well. Like my friend Dylan, he's a comedian and he I could tell right away he went to Chaminade. Like he's very well spoken. Right. You know, I could always tell. Yeah, I could always tell cops that went to like good schools. You know that were like educated, and they and they and actually respect like can had an open mind, right? I love that. That's you know they you know, (laughs) um. And you don't you know hey listen you don't have to have a college education. You need a library card too. You know. Um, and I like to see, but it's really nice. Well, but that was know.
1: that's the great line from Goodwill Hunting. That's right. He confronts the guy from Harvard. Yeah. Someday you're gonna wake up one day and realize you dropped a hundred grand on an education you could have spent four dollars in late fees at the library. Right.
0: Exactly. You know, my father used to say the same thing. Just because you go to college, he was a plumber. You know, and he worked for the city, whatever. But and he actually, it's funny, he's the one who made me take the police
1: test. <laughs> Well, you you know what? That's that's the, the best that thing is, he ever told me. To that's tell. the working class have something in your back pocket, right? <laughs> and it works. I know it, no it works. I took the test. I took the test. I took it to Franklin K Lane in Brooklyn when I was sixteen years old because all the guys that I played football, Oh
0: yeah, they all took it. Yeah, they were all
1: taking it. So I was like, well, I'm Saturday, and I'm not doing anything else. I might as well take it with you. Yeah, and I didn't give it another thought until they started calling. I
0: took it at front. I took it, but I was eight. I was older when I took it, but I right. took it at that same high school. Oh my God! Yes, I never yes. even. I didn't even remember the name of it until now.
1: Well, well that's right, and right in my neighborhood. It's on Jamaica Avenue, right on the Brooklyn Queens border. You grew up in uh, in the hood. Um, yeah, kind of. I was. I was in Bushwick. I was in Ridgewood. Yeah, uh, but you weren't
0: on Long Island. You're not like soft. No, weren't. no, I'm a. Safety. Yeah, no. Uh, yes, like, I actually, love that.
1: Like today, today I was coming back from. Uh, I met my old partner at the Honor Legion today to hand Aww. off some books, and we had lunch together. And uh, so coming home, in order to get to, to the Jackie Robinson, I, I went through East New York for old times' sake. Yeah, yeah, So I yeah, went yeah. down Jamaica. I'm looking at old neighborhoods. Oh, I got stabbed on that block. I yeah. I got robbed on that block. Oh, the fight we had in that block. Yeah. Just, wow. Yeah. And then, and then I think about it, I'm like, Jesus Christ, how did I survive my youth?
0: I get pissed off like when I hear something bad happen in the Bronx. I'm like, what the fuck's going on there, man? (laughs) Keep that borough safe. I love that borough. It's the borough that will never get gentrified.
1: Uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know what? It will. Areas will. They're along the subway line. That's one fair to Manhattan. But Manhattan has has to come back first.
0: Yeah, they tried that, though.
1: Nothing's getting gentrified.
0: No, they tried that, though. The four two tried to they had this really this nice like it was like this real nice Irish bar. It's like yeah. that's going to be there for like a month. You had to yeah. go out of the precinct to eat, you know, it's going
1: to be a Dominican bar in, in a month. Yeah. Right
0: pro- now, it probably is. This is like a few quite a few years ago. Um, where are you going to be soon for your? But when's your next book thing?
1: Oh, and it's book thing. I'm doing a, uh, I'm doing a Long Island launch party at the Nutty Irishman on July 29th. It's a in Thursday. F-
0: nice. That's in Farmingdale, right?
1: Yeah. Farmingdale. Uh, Actually owned by a retired detective, Jimmy Lomondola. Nice. Uh, and uh, I'm going to, going to throw a happy hour from seven to eight, seven to 8. P.M. Guys. And then the book event directly thereafter, I'm going to read some poetry, maybe a sample of the book. And I'll have uh, all of my books. I'll have autographed copies on sale. at Dude, I'm
0: definitely going to hop down there. And um, and also, you know what? You li- I like this too. You-, you coach. What do you coach?
1: I coach football. Do you um, know Freddie a-
0: Funk? Do you know my buddy, Freddie, the wrestling coach?
1: I know the name. Um, I don't know his last- I- I coach. I coach at the middle school. I have the uh, I have the seventh and the eighth graders before they get to the high school.
0: OK, Freddie, yes, I'm, I'm the
1: defensive coordinator at, uh, at the middle school in Farmingdale.
0: Nice. I grew up in that area. I grew up in, um, you know, where the Carvel is on Merritt Road.
1: By that's the... south, that's down in Massapequa. The one, I know it, yeah.
0: The, not, not, it's the one in Farmingdale. It used to be there's like the J2 lounge is still there. There's a bar there. There's a CVS there now.
1: Merrick Road is not in Farmingville.
0: Merritt, M-E-R-R-I-T. Oh, Merritt, um,
1: Parkway. Mm-hmm. I got you. Sure, sure. I know exactly what you're talking about. now. They own
0: that Carvel for like 30 something years. OK. Yep. So it's like nice. I worked there, my sister worked there, my sister's husband worked there, my cousins worked there, my best friends worked there. It was the most amazing. And I could never get away with anything. I sucked the, the CO2 out of the It's My father knew it was me right away. <laughs> you know, he went to go make a he went to go make a thick shake, and the guy wanted whipped cream. And he, Jesus Christ, Michelle! Jesus Christ!
1: God well, damn it! It took me to be uh, took me being the father of teenagers to realize: don't bother buying whipped cream in a can. it's, <laughs> not, staying. it's not staying. He
0: actually, and it wasn't me. It was the guy before us. Before right. he was one of the older kids. Yeah. He, he, my father locked the CO2 thing because he noticed it was uh, opening up a little bit. Right. So he actually put a lock on it. Nice. Something fucking archaic and probably against the law. Like, you know, I'm going to chain the back door. All right. <laughs> you know, he <laughs> yeah, didn't that's, give that's a fuck. That's what
1: they did at Happy Lands.
0: That's right. He didn't care. Yeah. I remember that place. The fireman, I was, I had just gotten on the job. The fireman made us go up in the thing and look at the room. That was like my yeah. first week on the job. I'll never forget that. Yeah. That's what gave me my compassion for people, honestly, because all these people were doing was hanging out at an after hours joint and something happened. You know what I mean? Well, like,
1: I'll tell you what, if uh, along those lines, the murder and uh, burned to a crisp, mm-hmm. the victims of the of the fire were an uh, 82 year old man with dementia, his wife, who uh, couldn't walk anymore. hmm. And their 32 year old son with Down syndrome were the three victims of yeah. the fire. And uh, I mean, it, this, and the, the horror of it was when I first came upon the fire on my way into work, mm-hmm. I'm looking into the hallway and I can see where the fire was started. And it's definitely arson. Yeah. There's a distinct V pattern in there. I get into the precinct and find out that the fire marshals that got there the night before called it accidental. Yeah. It wasn't accidental. Yeah. And now I look into it and I find out there are three people waiting to die in the burn unit. So I had to scramble just to get the case reclassified as an arson.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's stuff like that is really a shame because like, you know, I can understand why. Hey, yeah, what's the big deal? It's an after, you know, we lock the doors, we do whatever. But then there's always something, you know, there's always something underneath. You know what I mean? Like somebody always has to fuck it up for them. There's always something involved that messes it up. Well,
1: the, the reason why, when they looked into that case, the reason why they had locked that back door mm-hmm. was because they didn't trust their own patrons who were forever letting people in the back. Yeah, yeah. And there was like a $20 cover because it was an after-hours place. Yeah. So it was greed that caused them to chain the door up. Yeah, oh,
0: yeah, 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 I see you what you're know? saying. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, well, there you go. Say greed ruined it. Something ruined it.
1: Well, what ruined it is the bouncers had every opportunity to beat that guy into the hospital. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then he wouldn't have been able to come back to put the place on fire.
0: (laughs) And it's funny because I never even knew that. all that time I actually thought because they said it was just uh, they said it was an accident. uh, uh, Catherine Turner's husband on the building, Jay Weiss. He was like he was one of the owners of the building. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, I guess that's what happened. You know, and I, I, you know, and her career tanked. And I figured, well, maybe that has something to do with it. You
1: know, no, no, her, her career tank because of alcoholism. <laughs>
0: you think so? That's oh, why like, she got remember, a little, she got puffy. It,
1: well, that's from the alcohol. But if you remember, if you remember the public meltdown that she had in front of St. Vinny's after 9-11.
0: No, I don't. I didn't even remember. It, that. Broke,
1: it broke my heart because I had the biggest crush on her after body heat.
0: Yeah, yeah, and they just, get ugly I and, all of... and I'm
1: like, oh, my God, how the mighty have fallen.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: it was. Uh, she, she had a drunken meltdown screaming. You got to help these people. You got to help these people.
0: Yeah, it's a so, shame. It really yeah, is. So bad. That's why you can't get fame too fast. I'm telling you, it goes right to your head. You got to work hard for it. Hopefully we get famous and you get famous. We're in our later years. Got a few <laughs> years under our belt. You know, the ropes a little bit, you know. You know, who's going to not take advantage of you and who is, you know? Oh, well, I
1: actually I, I expect most people to try and take advantage. Well, of the me.
0: best part is I just I got off the phone with my mentor. right? And he's okay. been doing comedy for 30 years and I go, And I had to tell him about this guy who I don't want to work with him because he's like, he's a taker. If okay. you if you book me for your show, of course, I'm going to um, make it. Uh, I'm going to publicize it. But if you're booking me for your show, Right. Um, I'm not going to go out and find sponsors for you. That's your job.
1: Right.
0: Just like that. Like, I don't want this to become a collective. Co- I have my own shit going on. Right. You know, and so I've, I've told him no years ago and I've actually blocked him. And then today, like twice, I got the email. So I had a, I had to call my friend and huff and puff like, are you kidding? I was right about everybody else, like the whole comp thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, then he goes, all right, well, you just need to just relax. It's OK. You don't have to answer the emails. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to take it to that level yeah. it's my PTSD yeah. what do you want Christ's right. sake you know all right I'm gonna let you it's it's a holiday weekend yep and so I'm gonna I am gonna let you go I want to thank you for uh sharing this amazing amount of time with me
1: this was a very pleasant conversation I had I so much myself,
0: fun uh, yeah but honestly you can go to Michael O'Keefe Author.com and has all your books there. You can buy them online. You can go actually go buy them in person. If you're out on Long Island at the Nutty Irishman in Farmingdale, Thursday, July 29th, 7 to 8 p.m. Get some beers and read a book, beers and books, (laughs) beers and books.
1: Yeah, it's classic.
0: We're going to get some people to go. Don't you worry. Um, All right. You have a great time, Michael. O'Keefe. you stay safe and uh, and I hope to uh, chat with you soon. Absolutely, Thank you're going to you so be on much, the new, Listen, I know somebody. They did this. My best friend Peter Bales. He's a comic. He okay. said when he was in high school, when he was in college, he went to Northwestern. He went to school with somebody famous, his son, and he wanted to be on the New York Times bestseller list. He bought all the books,
1: and he got. Yeah. Him- <laughs> well, I found out that the New York Times bestseller list is pretty much a scam. Yeah. It's if you're not part of a major publishing house. Yeah. Or or you're not a favorite of one of the people Yeah, the it's like comedy clubs, yeah. You're not getting on. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like comedy you know. clubs, yeah. So you know yeah. what I don't and, and the other thing is I don't read the New York Times. Yeah, 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 I have absolutely no faith in them. <laughs> I wouldn't line if I had a bird, I wouldn't line the bottom of his birdcage with it. If I had a puppy, I wouldn't I wouldn't train him with it. So you know what? I don't care what the New York Times has yeah, to yeah, say. Yeah, 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 yeah. I look at my sales on the Amazon list because <laughs> that's... that's where more books are being sold.
0: <laughs> that's what I said. I laughed. I go, man, it's that easy. I would have done that, you know, <laughs> right? Like it's that easy. That was years ago.
1: Well, the but... other trick now that that self-published authors are using Amazon for is they're putting out their launching their book for the first week.
0: Yeah.
1: Under a made-up genre. Okay. Like a yeah. hybrid that doesn't really exist and doesn't really apply to the book. Okay. So if they sell one or two or a dozen since it's the only book in the genre they're the number one book that week in the genre yeah and then they can go back into their uh material like the book the metadata and change it to a real to a uh a real genre yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
1: and still claim number yeah. one book on amazon yeah so yeah i'm nah no, I just
0: you. honestly like I could be bothered with any of that. Like I, I just like I, I'm lucky I can like do this and not lose my shit in like 20 minutes. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I could be Absolutely. bothered with. You spend more time trying to scam. Yeah. Than if you actually just did it, you know.
1: My thing is the way that I'm going to market it is I believe in the books. I think they're terrific yeah. books, and. And I'm pushing them and telling people, you should buy my book. It's terrific.
0: That's right. And you should buy his book because they are good books. Um, um, uh, I read this shot to pieces. No, yeah, shot to pieces. But I want to read the other one. I have to read The Reckoning in Brooklyn next. That's like a good to- one.
1: That's a, that's a throwback story. It's a 1979 Brooklyn mob story.
0: I love stuff like that. Yeah. I love that. I, you okay. know what, I like that the city's jumping a little bit. It's coming back like the 80s. That's what I like to say. Let's get that life flip black in imagine,
1: there. Imagine, imagine if crack came out.
0: Oh yeah, new crack. In this
1: environment now.
0: <laughs> crack two point. <laughs> uh, crack the two violence, point oh.
1: The oh. violence was insane and senseless.
0: No, I know, that's the, yeah. it, I know. And it's, you know, I, I worked with a lot of, uh, I worked in narcotics and some of these guys, you know, <clears throat> you look at them like you're a genius. Yeah. If you, you know, they were, they, they were totally, and even now they're even better. I'm sure, you know, more organized. Now mm-hmm. they have, you know, whatever, but uh, yeah, it, it's all for the same, you know, it's somebody gets pissed and then the gun gets involved, you know, settled yeah, yeah. like this.
1: Well, even that just people who ordinarily wouldn't be violent, just got incredibly violent yeah. because yeah. they wanted one more hit. And it was funny because I mean, even the detectives who know better, when, yeah. You know, when you're a uniform cop and you've made the arrest, and they're like, "Well, what was his motive to do that?" I'm like, "Seriously, motive? Crack? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: There's yeah. no other
1: explanation."
0: Yeah, it's like even on the subways. The subways are getting a little, you know, a little like hairy right now. But they're not all emotionally disturbed people. Some of them are just criminals that want to get some shit. You know, like it's it's a yeah. you know it's a little bit of both. You know, we right. you know it's yeah. it's not all we can't all well, say this that. You know,
1: the random attacks. Uh, Basically because de Blasio turned the subways into a homeless shelter. Yeah. Okay. And they're not getting their drugs. Right. Um, You know, their brain drugs, the ones they need. The mentally, Uh, Yeah. But the other stat that isn't getting sensationalized are the robberies. No, I know. That's violence for profit. Yeah. Do it because they can get away with it. Yeah. And there is no retribution. So that's the one that's being downplayed by the media. It's the one that they should be pushing.
0: Exactly. Crazy people <laughs>
1: Pushing people in front of trains. Okay. That's a group that, that they're two separate problems. It, that's what I say. Yeah. I, one is crime and the other is not taking right. care of your sick citizens. That's
0: right. That's a, exactly. That's what, that's what I say too. Like, cause you know, the people that like, you know, um, like if I ever got pushed on the tracks, I'd be fucked, man. <laughs>
1: I ain't gonna be yeah, you're I a got, little thing.
0: I got a brand new hip, man. I can't get up that thing. I mean, I do crossfit and stuff, but yeah. come on, I use the 20 like the little box. You yeah. <laughs> know, fuck. I'd have to go in the corner and, and hide, but well, yeah. that's
1: just it. You you could hide under the overhang, you'd be all right. Jesus
0: Christ. I that's why I like, but I think, yeah, it's like <laughs> people gotta chill out, man. Let's just try to have some a little bit of fun. A little bit of fun, please. Okay, you know? All right, have a you good have a one. great
1: weekend. You Happy too. Independence
0: Day. And I'll see you on the uh, on the 29th of Looking July. Looking forward to it. Oh, definitely. I'll see you All there, right. buddy. Have a good one.
1: You too, Michelle. Thank you.
0: Bye-bye. No problem.